This is working to be. It is Friday, December 4th, 2020. Just 27 left, gang. In the year from hell, I'm Kevin Cooney. Thanks for joining us. As we count down until the end of 2020, and after seeing this year and this football team, why not? Why not count down? There's five Eagle weeks left. Of course, they have a game on Sunday in Green Bay. Temperature is going to be in the mid-30s, by the way, so it's not typical December Green Bay, but doesn't matter really. Uh, so against the Packers, which could get ugly. Uh, so Mike and I will talk about that. We'll break down the weekend in football, both on the NCAA and in the NFL, uh, as we give our picks after our guest segment, which will be, uh, a conversation with a friend of ours who lives in Los Angeles, John Gonzalez, who has been working for the ringer, used to work at the Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, you used to work at 97.5 The Fanatic with uh, Vaisikahama for a long time, a couple of years, uh, to the afternoon show. John will join us from his home out in the uh, sunny shores of California in a minute. We'll get an update on what's going on out there, how he views things from 3,000 miles away, and uh, some other light topics. He, he mentioned he has one topic I want to get to because he wrote an article for The Ringer. Um, that was brilliant because I live it in my house about the continuing allure of MTV playing ridiculousness every hour on the half hour for 30 straight hours. And, uh, he wrote an article about it and it was in back in September and it was brilliant and funny. And I live it here because my wife loves ridiculousness is she says it's a guilty pleasure. And uh, so it's good to have John on, and we'll talk to him about that and other topics as we get going. NBA schedule came out today as well uh, for first half of the NBA schedule. Sixers kind of trim from the national TV rotation. No ABC games, at least in the first half. A little surprising. I guess maybe with the way it ended last year, we shouldn't be surprised, but it is. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that, and uh, we'll talk to John about that as well. So next week, uh, Tuesday, we'll wrap up uh, Eagles Packers. We'll look ahead to Eagles Saints. Again, another fun week. Um, given there's a drama every week with this football team, that should be interesting. And uh, so we got some good guests lined up. Mark Zumoff has agreed to join us in a couple, you know, here shortly. Um and uh, we're working on some of our stuff already for the end of the year. And I mentioned this on Twitter the other night, and I really do want feedback from you. As we get towards the end of the year, one, I'm going to be reposting um, in fact, a couple of the shows around Christmas. We're going to have like a best of uh, format. Um, you know, we'll have the live shows like we normally do, but I'm also going to repost like a best of the interviews. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of interviews that we have had that I loved. And um, I'm going to cut them up and we're going to play them as kind of bonuses. Uh, but we all know what kind of year this has been, obviously, with the virus and the election and, the, you know, uh, the social justice um, stuff that has gone on this year, uh, the rioting uh, in, in a lot of cities, the protesting in almost every one of them. Um, 
But we want to get your feedback on who you want to hear from when we talk about the year in twenty, the year twenty twenty. Uh, do you want to hear from sports figures? Do you want to hear from media members? Do you want to hear from politicians? Do you want to hear, you know, just as we look at the grand belief of what this year was um and i will you know as we usually do our roundtable show especially so uh drop me a line at kevin cooney and uh we'll try to make it happen and also i want to hear from the voices you want to hear from i want to hear you know if you have an athlete you want to just have a reminiscent show with i i think that would be a really good topic because as we start the new year here to kind of get everything going so um we got some guests lined up that I think we're going to have some fun with, but, um, you know, coming up in the future weeks and obviously with this week, and that's where we'll begin. Both Mike and John Gonzalez will join me on the other side here as work of the beat continues on this Friday, right after this. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. Then behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start. And joining us now to discuss all things, just all things in general, <laughs> throughout the world, uh, the former writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer, uh, he is now a staff writer at The Ringer, living in su- sunny Southern California. It's our buddy, John Gonzalez. John, how are you? I am honored, and uh, I also think it's interesting that you just like deleted slash whitewashed the whole NBC sports period. Uh, where you <laughs> I, I guys apologize. Appeared I on my, t- on my show multiple times. The, that whole period was lost to the ages. I, there was another period that I lost for you too, but I'm not going to get into that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That one's better left lost. That forever. is lost. Uh, hey, just remember John and I once shared a dessert at a Greek restaurant. At you know, it was funny. Final four. John had popped on our show when, when we had his wife, Colleen on back before the NFL draft. And That's you mentioned, correct. and you mentioned that story to John. I have another story that I, I think John remembers. It was one of our road trips together. It was to St. Louis of all, of all places during the 2011 playoffs uh, for the Phillies. Uh, we went to Calico's, which is a pizza place in um, in St. Louis. John, do you remember this? I remember that trip. I, I may or may not remember the specific dinner. Did we also share food? Like, did we do it? We, Lady it in was, the Tramp style. It, it was. It, it was like fourteen of us on the Phillies beat because there was nothing else open in downtown St. Louis Ugh. on a Wednesday night. That's uh, right. It was after the Ban Francisco home run too. That's how I remember it. And uh, I had to do a radio interview on the outside of the restaurant. It was a pizzeria. And um, I was doing it with a certain uh, WIP host who, who's very loud and high-pitched. and <laughs> Jersey! Exactly. And um, John, I had this bulky sweater on because it was kind of chilly. And the next thing you know, I feel a little burn 
on my elbow and John's standing with a lighter trying to light me on fire as I'm talking to Jalowitz. I'm not saying I'm not to, you guys don't have any passion. Nobody cares. I'm not saying that being light on lit on fire while this talk of the Jalo it's is a, a highlight, but it is, John, and I appreciate that. So I, you know what? I I don't remember trying to light you on fire. I do, however, uh, that sounds like something I would do. Yes. So I'll cop to it. Yes, uh, absolutely. Why not? I'm sure Finger was there encouraging me. Finger but. then jumped in a uh, in a fountain that was being occupied uh, that was being held like right around the Occupy Wall Street people. He jumped in a fountain on a bet. So it sounds it sounds like we might have had a, a couple of writing beers that night. That was a couple of writing beers. So so how's life in L.A.? I mean, what's it like watching this train wreck from three thousand miles? Which train wreck are we referring Any to? Any of the train wrecks in this town. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't get cold here and it doesn't snow. So better than, you know, waiting for it to snow and everybody retreating inside. But just as bad. I mean, I, for some reason, I, I assume we're starting with the Eagles train wreck. Sure. Let's start with that. For some reason, every week, I've watched every second. And every week, I remind myself that I used to have to do this as part of my job. Uh, and that somebody would pay me money to watch it. And now I'm just doing it, which I, I'm not sure what that says about me, but it's probably not great. Like, why am I devoting this much time to a team that bad uh, aside from our collective shared suffering? I don't know. It's, it's an ugly watch. Um, hey, can I ask you a question? Are Andy, you anywhere near the latest fires that are going on out there? Please tell me you're not. Uh, everything is, I mean, everything in LA is far, but also semi close. So, okay. Um, so we recently moved to closer to where the Orange County fires are. So yesterday, like yesterday when I woke up, it's, it's kind of weird with, with the fires here and the way that the winds go. Like you could be not close enough that you're going to get evacuated, but you wake up in the morning. And like as soon as I woke up, I was like, oh, there must be a fire. This is before I even checked the news because you can just smell it. Oh, we God. have two dogs. And I took the dogs out. And like the second I stepped outside, you can smell it. The air's hazy. The air quality's not good. I just mm. knew that there was a fire. And then sure enough, you go and check the news. And it's like, right, you know, it not not close enough that we're going to get evacuated, but close enough that soot and smoke and whatever sort of clouds everything. So it's the fire season's been absolutely brutal. They happen like all the time anymore, John, it seems. All the time. Yeah. Wow. It's brutal. It's brutal. And then, you know, on top of that, everybody is dealing with the pandemic and yeah. uh, it's just like, there's a lot of things that are happening that are not great, but the wildfire season, like just, I would say like probably um, what a month ago now, uh, Colleen and I went to vote early and um, we were driving back to our house and just on the side of the street, like a random wildfire had popped up. It was like two miles from our house and it was intense enough that like they had to shut down the street and we had to drive on the other side of the street. And it was so hot that we could feel it because the windows were down. It was warm that day. I could feel it in the driver's side on the other side wow. of the street. And luckily they, they got to it quickly enough, but like just something small like that, that required like five fire engines was just like crazy hot. What starts stuff like that? I mean, I hate saying it. Is it like a, a cigarette butt or, you know, a, a disposed match? Or is it just like, you know what I mean? Like, we don't understand it, I think, back here, how this stuff pops up, pops up as quick as it does out there. Yeah, there's a lot of different things that go into it. So, obviously, climate change is a factor because uh, the weather is hotter uh, more consistently. It's drier. The winds pick up. There's We haven't – honestly, when I tell you I, I don't remember the last time it rained, I don't remember the last time it rained. It's been like four or six months, something like that. Oh, my God. It's, it's crazy, crazy dry here, so it creates those conditions. And then 
Then there are any number of like instigating factors. I don't know if you saw that there was like this gender reveal party. Oh yeah, six, I remember that. Four or six months ago where somebody set up some fireworks, that sort of one. Um, the infrastructure for electricity here, the like the way the power is pumped to homes here uh, is old and needs to be updated. So there was a town uh, in California called Surprise. Uh, mm -hmm. Surprise California, I believe was the name of the town. And uh, the power company up there was found negligent for not updating its infrastructure. And the entire town basically is lost. It doesn't exist anymore from the fires. I believe it was last year or the year before. Uh, and they just recently had a court settlement over that whole thing. So that was there's the, any number of things that go into that it. That was the one uh, that Trump misidentified. I remember that. I'm he, sure. He, yeah. Um, let me get back to the Eagles for a second. Yeah. Okay. Uh, real, a re, you know, a real disaster to a sports disaster. Um, you wrote, good really good stuff around when they won the super bowl and you talked about you know the the, the belief philadelphia fans and i you did another one like i guess reviewing the the uh, amazon uh movie the documentary yeah yeah about was really good about the feeling that the sky is always falling in some way that's always next year you know something's always next year in a way the name of the movie is maybe next year maybe next year but for them to go from Super Bowl champions with a guy who, granted, a backup quarterback won it, but still had a 24-year-old franchise-looking quarterback in Carson Wentz waiting to come back to what they are now, even this is epic by Philadelphia standards. Would you agree that this collapse? I mean, epic, but also it feels familiar, right? Because I think, and, and I think that for your listeners that, like we sort of have to divide the two because there's the professional capacity where we cover the team and you're supposed to be detached from it. Mm -hmm. And then there's like the undeniable, like you can't extract the Philadelphian and any of us from it. But like we're still watching the team and like there's an association and an attachment to the team, even uh, on a personal level that has nothing to do our, with our professional capacity. So I think like the conditioning plays a part here. When you say, is it epic? Yes, it is, of course. But it also feels familiar because with the exception of 2017, and this is what that movie uh, maybe next year tries to get at, nothing has ever gone right ultimately in the end for the Eagles. Even when things are like kind of going right, like in 2017, then once gets hurt and you think, oh no, this is going to be awful. And it wasn't until he went down where it started to feel more like an Eagles season to me. Yeah. Because like, it's weird to be top dogs in Philadelphia. It's weird to feel like things are going well and your team's going to play well and you don't have to worry about anything. When things don't go well, I go, oh, yeah, this is how it was for my entire childhood or every team I ever covered. Um, so, yes, it's ugly, but maybe that's reason, the reason why I keep turning it on every Sunday or every Monday or every Thursday whenever they play because uh, I understand, and so do all your listeners and so does everybody from home, what it looks like when the Eagles are bad. We just, we just understand that. Mike. Yeah, so John, the big thing in here seems to be ad nauseum almost who's most at fault, Howie, <laughs> the coach or the quarterback. When in, in reality, you know, it's some kind of combination thereof. But if you're looking at this, because I think, and, and Kevin's been on this, I think Kevin's right to, to a large degree. I'm I think it starts that. with Howie. Um, because their drafts have been so god-awful. But the coach is not doing a good job, and every press conference he has, he just makes himself look worse. And the quarterback, you know, keeps saying, well, I'm going to keep doing what I do. And, you know, looking at it from 3,000 miles away, if you had to put 
more of the blame on one of the three. How would you look at it? Uh, if you're asking me between Howie and Doug and Carson Wentz, who's to blame? My answer is yes. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> like, I mean, there's so much blame to go around here. It's just, yeah. they're, they're bad all the way around. You know, right before we started the show and you got angry at me because I said, don't do the show before the show. That's right. Like, talking about like the mistakes that they made in the draft, right? Like how, how good Justin Jefferson would look on this team. But then you think, okay, well, would he still look like Justin Jefferson exactly. in his offense yes. with the offensive line in disrepair and like they can't get anything going and Carson Wentz not looking like the Carson Wentz we understood from the Super Bowl season and he hasn't looked like that since uh, since going down with an injury. I mean, like I don't know where they went wrong, but man, did they take a right turn where they should have went left. Yeah, Let, Look at this way, Kevin, you too. And I was thinking about this. Let's say they had Metcalf, okay, instead of uh, Whiteside. And let's say they had still been in position, because I don't know what would have happened, to take Jefferson this year over Rager. Right. And if you change nothing else about their team, and, and you're right, John, I don't know how good those guys would be on this team. But if they weren't hurt, wouldn't they be a fairly substantially better team? But, Mike, the arrogance is taking a backup quarterback in the second round oh, no, when you Kevin, have offensive line you. holes. But and I'm when saying, you- let's just look at it from the perspective of if they had those two guys on this team, Right now, and, and everything else was the same. All the injuries, all the whatevers, they'd be a better team. I don't know how much better. Maybe only a couple wins. Good enough to still, win the division, probably. By, very, by a very simple thing, they could have Jefferson and Metcalf, two of the best receivers in the league, and instead they have Whiteside and Rager. Well, John, I mean. <laughs> I mean, you know, really. Go ahead. Go ahead, John. I'm sorry. No, I, I love hearing this. This is wonderful. Um, I don't get I don't get the uh, the current hot take slash uh, WIP angry caller out here in Southern California, and I miss it. I miss the hell out of it. Um, yeah, I'm not Mike's right. I mean, like, how be- would you be better? How could you not be? Uh, to what degree? Hard to say because you still have the same decision making. You still yeah. have the same quarterback. You still have the same offensive line difficulties. But I think how could you not be better when? You, you know, like instantly those two guys would be better than any pass catchers that uh, the Eagles have. But then the question is, are they going to throw them the ball, right? Like when you can't get Travis Fulgham, who's like supposedly now your better receiver, and I don't say best, but but better because like how good is he even really? But he's not as good as Alshon. Right. I mean, like, like you got to get these guys the ball, and it's like it's a – it's a problem with play Kong. It's a problem with not having uh, once having being able to remain operate and once not, you know, tossing the ball away or making smart decisions or making just quality throws. I mean, it's just, it's so broken on so many ways. John, uh, what would you make the, the idea of what you're talking about here? And, and Kevin and I have talked about this, that Aguilar who basically had a good 2017 yeah. when they won, but basically was, I won't say a bust, but it didn't work is now on the Raiders and has like six touchdown catches. He looks really good. If you're in the, I want to say this because I know you guys have a huge Las Vegas Vegas listenership. If you're in Las (laughs) Vegas, you can toss your babies now to Nelson Aguilar. (laughs) He'll catch him now. Wow. I like that. Um, Okay. When when you, you know, and I, I just say, you know, one of the lessons that the Eagles didn't learn from the Phillies is when to say goodbye. When to say goodbye to some players. Jason Peters is one. I'll, I'll make I'll make the argument Fletcher Cox is one. That that you know for the for the price tag and everything and what you're getting in production, 
probably could have said goodbye. They, you know, Alshon Jeffrey is another one at this point. Philadelphia teams have a, have a tendency to become too sentimental. And, you know, look at the Sixers with, I think they probably, you know, bringing Iverson back the way they did and, and all that. Is that just something we do or is this something you, you know, now you're more plugged into the rest of the nation, if you will. Um, do you find that in other markets as well? And we just examine it more. I think it's hard to like conflate, you know, the Sixers with the Eagles, with the Phillies. I mean, like they're all separate organizations and separate sports. They happen to be in one city and like, we're all sort of in attuned to that. Right. Uh, I think you're probably right that there's a time to say goodbye and, and more often than not, uh, Philadelphia sports teams miss that window. Um, I'm not sure that I'm with you on Fletcher Cox. I am with you on, uh, Jason Peters. Although like at, at that time when they bring Jason Peters back, like you're looking at that offensive line going, you need warm bodies, right? And you need somebody who knows the system and who could like in theory be able to do something that wouldn't be atrocious. Now that's obviously not proven out. Um, the Iverson thing I think is also slightly different because that was more like of a nostalgic goodbye and that team was not good. Oh, that's true. Um, and also like, you know, for me, no, it was, it was Tom's goal. Sixers basketball game at any point. Stick him in the stand. Stick him on the court. I'm, so, I'm can happy I, to Kevin, see him. Are you saying? I'm just trying to be clear here. Are you saying that when they signed Fletcher Cox, and I'm guessing that was two or three years ago, I believe they re-signed them oh. after the after the Super Bowl. Yeah. Okay. And I was one person. I I didn't necessarily think. It, what do you think would have been the reaction in Philly well, I, I if get, they said no? We're yeah. not. We're not going to pay you. We're going to let you go. Uh, I get it, but I also say that sometimes a smart GM. And one who's actually smart and doesn't think he's real smart and smug. <laughs> and, 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 and again, drafting backup quarterbacks in the second round. I would say smart GMs know that they can weather a firestorm like that. They don't need they don't need the pat on the back or the public yeah, the public acclamation right. uh on a move. I, I get what you're saying, but it's like when Ryan, everybody knocked when Ryan Howard turned out to be a bad move, okay, and, and we all if they had let Ryan Howard go at the time that that was coming down, mm-hmm. the the whole city would have revolted, and it would have went into a black white issue. Like you know, why aren't you signing the superstar African American guy? But you're giving Chase. I'm just saying, it's easy in retrospect sometimes. I think to say like the, the Alshon was stupid. I'm with you. You know, you don't give him. But at the time with Fletcher Cox, he's he's like one of the best players at his position. And yeah, is he going to make a lot of money for a defensive lineman? I don't think a defensive lineman is worth that. But well, I'm just saying it's easy to say now. Oh yeah. And, and, and I'm just, I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'm spitballing a little bit, but I mean, yeah, I just want to, I'll say this for the Phillies, Kevin. And, and I, yeah, you're right. They, they did keep, and the flyers have done that, but the, the Phillies at least got to a world series the next year and won 102 games in 2011. Made the playoffs so two other times. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they, they didn't go downhill like the Eagles have gone downhill. Well, no, but they haven't made the playoffs in eight years. John, let me get to the Sixers real quick. Um, when you look at their organization without Brett Brown, <laughs> subbing Doc Rivers in, getting Daryl Morey, A, how different is it? Uh, and B, where do you think it kind of course corrects whatever happened last year that kind of took them off the tracks? Um, yeah, I mean, look, like a lot of people, I was skeptical of what this organization could and would do after this past season where they get swept out of the bubble by the Celtics and they look horrendous and they've got uh, a team that's locked into these 
long-term contracts where they're capped out. They don't, there are a lot of redundant pieces. Those pieces don't fit together. There wasn't much floor spacing. I, um, as people who have read me or listened to me know, am a big, big, big Brett Brown guy. Love Brett Brown, wish him nothing but the best. Uh, but I thought like, at some point you got to try something different. Mm -hmm. And and once they got rid of Brett, I was like, okay, well, I wonder what that difference is going to be. Doc, I think is going to be a fantastic fit for the team. And mostly though, for the city, because he likes to tell a story, he'll go on your show, you know, he'll, he'll (laughs) ham it up with you. I mean, he's like one of my all time, I spent four years with him out here after moving to LA. He's one of my all time favorite interviews. Like, you know, for people who aren't journalists, we have this saying, like, you know, turn on your recorder, he'll fill your notebook, man, will that guy fill your notebook? He's fantastic. And then with Daryl Morey, you know, and as you guys know, I was a big Sam Hinkie guy and still am with Daryl Morey. He has been, despite the fact that they haven't gotten to the finals, he's been unquestionably one of the top, you know, three general managers since 2006, I believe was when he took over the Rockets. The Rockets were constantly in the mix and they did it in a way that was always different, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you go back and look at those teams, they didn't stick to any one formula. He was constantly changing things up, trying new things. And and invariably all of those new things made them relevant. So who knows if ultimately they won a championship, but I just love the combination of Doc and Daryl together. And I think like given where you were even four months ago this is way better than it was and mike John, uh, did, hold on mike what, let me let me ahead. ask one follow-up sure. on this is this another one of the things i think that was the problem with the structure that was in place with brett and and, and, and with uh eldon and even with colangela was there were non-basketball people who were constantly getting involved guys from villanova who are team presidents i may who, who say are you suggesting i'm just saying um who felt they should have been involved. Is this a firewall against that? Bring two guys with reputations who will not tolerate a certain guy poking his nose in the basketball operations and and making suggestions. I am going to uh, very deftly and politically sidestep the (laughs) certain guy accusations and say this, you don't bring in Daryl Morey unless you want Daryl Morey to run the organization on the basketball side. That's like just, I mean, he is, again, and it's not just like a subjective thing. If you asked, if you polled all the general managers in the league about who the best general managers are, I mean, you're going to get the same answers, right? Right. You're going to get Sam Presti and you're going to get Danny Ainge and you're going to get Bob Myers and you're going to get Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey. I mean, like these are the guys you're going to get over and over and over and you're going to get franchise things like San Antonio and Miami that are sort of legacy and like people, but like as an individual brain, you're bringing in Daryl Morey to do what Daryl Morey has done for the last 15 plus years. And like, it would be, it would be wild to think that it would be on the other way. That is a depth allusion to that guy. <laughs> and not, I, and not so, I, I, look, I, I have conversations with a lot of people and uh, I wish everybody well. Okay. Mike, go ahead. <laughs> now, what, did, what did you think of Paul George's comments? Uh, I guess a couple of days ago now, I'm not sure where he kind of, you know, laid uh, Doc out to dry a little bit, saying that when they were up 3-1 and things were starting to unravel, the coach basically did nothing to help them not unravel. Or is that just Paul George, a guy who's really done nothing in his career, you know, in a seven game or something like that? What did you make of that? I think, uh, you know, I like Paul George's game. I think he's one of the Mm -hmm. best two-way players in the NBA. I think if you look at Paul George going back to Indiana – 
uh, up through when he was in, K, uh, in, in uh, OKC, and now that he's in Los Angeles, more times than not when Paul George speaks, uh, he, Paul George inserts his one or both of his feet into his mouth. And like just a <laughs> comment about where he was talking about, um, you know, he's less into the motion offense and he needs more pick and roll to his flow, more post-ups and stuff like that. Well, Kevin O'Connor, one of our basketball writers, immediately like went and looked up the numbers. And I'm not going to like get super into the weeds here, but like Paul George saying, I need more pick and roll. I need more uh, flow to my offensive game. Paul George ran the most pick and roll of his career last year with Doc. So I think part of it is just, look, a lot of people hit PG uh, for his performance or lack thereof in the bubble. They had high aspirations. They obviously didn't um, get to where they wanted to go during the playoffs. He didn't play well. He was also talking about, and I think this part is completely fair because we've all been dealing with the pandemic, number one. Then they're in a bubble. They're not seeing their friends and family. It's a weird situation. They're cooped up in a hotel where he was talking about like his emotional state, like he wasn't like feeling like himself and he wasn't playing like himself. And I think that's all legitimate and completely fair. And I wouldn't wish that on him. Um, but I think it, this is one of those situations where looking back, he's looking for a little bit of a scapegoat that's not him because he took a lot of heat. And maybe that's understandable too. But I, I, I don't think that you can lay it all at Doc's feet. So if the Sixers are up 3-1 next season, and they lose game five. What's Philadelphia going to be like? <laughs> uh, lose game five, you're okay. You lose game six, yeah. uh, don't ungrease the poles. Yes. <laughs> that goes back to your original theory that bad things happen in Philadelphia. Where have I heard that before? Um, yeah. When you Warms my heart. Who Who's under more pressure with Doc here? Is it Simmons or Embiid? Um, I think, again, my, my answer is yes. Uh, <laughs> okay. Those two guys together, look, there's a question about whether or not they fit together right now. Obviously, Daryl Morey comes in and he unplugs or unclogs some of that problem with the Al Horford contract, which I thought was a problem in two different ways. One, in terms of the books, and two, the like how you're deploying this personnel. Right. And now you're looking at a starting lineup, potentially who knows what it's actually going to be with Danny Green and Seth Curry, uh, and Tobias Harris and those two guys. Now all of a sudden you've got shooters around them and floor spacing and it looks a little bit different. So like that could be a boon for both of them, but um, yeah, no, those two guys have to prove that they can coexist and go uh, deeper into the playoffs than they have. But that said, if we rewind two years ago, I was in Toronto mm -hmm. when Kawhi hit that shot. Yeah. And if one of those four bounces goes out and they go to overtime and win, like they, all of a they sudden, probably like, maybe this, this is, Exactly. Right. They they could beat Milwaukee if they if they had won that game. They I always felt they would beat Milwaukee. I thought that was a decent matchup for them. You're right, and we're not having this conversation. And I spent the entire playoffs with Toronto and the and then the next year because I wrote the oral history apologies to all of Philadelphia right. for the shot and between that entire postseason and even the offseason into the next season where I'm talking to those guys, they never changed their story. And the entire time they said the Sixers were the hardest out the entire playoffs for them. And they won the championship against the defending champion Warriors who were injured, obviously. Right. What I'm saying is that like that could have changed everything. So who knows? John Gonzalez from The Ringer joins us, formerly of NBC Sports Philadelphia and there we go. the Philadelphia Inquirer. Um, <laughs> what, what is – you've covered – a lot of a lot of things. I mean, you're you're a young guy, and not anymore. Well, neither am I. But to me, you know, we're both young. We're always everything's young. relative. But okay, exactly. Do you have a strangest thing you ever covered? 
I do, and it involves my current. Uh, in fact, <laughs> did we cover? In fact, it's strange. It was strange. Jack, for me. The Jack in the Box taco eating contest. Was there Maybe there like was that? that, but um, this is this is like a like a mainstream weirdest thing. I've definitely done some other weird things, right? Uh, but I had I had never, and still to this day, although I'm writing kind of tangentially about this thing, uh, had never written about golf. And so when I was at the Inquirer, oh, uh, yeah. they looked around to me and they said, or they looked around at the staff and they said, who can we get? to go to the Masters with Joe Giuliano and Mike Kern, not to cover golf, but to cover Tiger coming out of sex rehab in the circus. You were the that. perfect like, guy. And oh, they were like, the, we know the guy. So, so they sent me to the Masters, and I had no idea what the hell I was doing except for like covering the circus, which I can do that no problem for anything. But the rest of it was Kern leading around by the nose explaining to me what Augusta was. Uh, and to this day, I will rue not doing this. So for people who don't know, there's a contest among the writers where you put your name in a hat, and if you're lucky enough to get your, your name drawn, you can play the course. And Kern got his name drawn, and he said to me, why don't you stay, and you can caddy for me. And I was like, nah, I'm going to get on the plane and go home. And to this day, I regret it. <laughs> or I could have caddied for you. I never I mean, golfed. That would have been excellent. Yeah, First time ever. Oh, oh, I would have loved to have seen what you would have done at Augusta. If you're not a golfer and you're you're just divvying up, uh, divvying up at Augusta, that would have been awesome. Like, been no, really I just good. want I just wanted to take him around the course, and I mean, I'm sure John saw the course that week. You know, I walked but, it the entire week. It, it, you know right. what? As somebody who's not a golfer, um, it's so that court Augusta. And that part of Georgia is not beautiful. I had to wear my shoes to the bathroom in the hotel I stayed in. However, the yeah. course itself <laughs> is gorgeous. Yeah, that's the that's the, the beauty of, a, of of the Augusta National is that it's on Washington Road, where, which is like fast food chains, you know, up and down the road. And then you come to this place, and you won't even know it was there, really. And when you turn in, and all of a sudden you're in the Emerald City. It's it's yeah. You can't explain it. I mean, a lot of golf courses are like that. You know, they're just kind of there, and nobody knows they're there. And then it's like, oh, but yeah, Augusta's something probably everybody. Well, I shouldn't say everybody because some people might not care, but anybody that cares should get there once in their life if they can. But you know, you uh, were lucky, man. To you were lucky that Tiger had a had a a sex problem. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tiger. <laughs> Thank you, for for being, Tiger, for going for to Perkins. Yeah, for going to Perkins and trying to hit on every waitress. Um, yeah. Well, you, you, you've. I mean, you've also done serious. I think people don't real realize, like you covered, you covered the hell out of the Jerry Sandusky thing. Like you and John Finger, up at State College, the, the journalism you guys did was outstanding, and. Like everybody looks at you sometimes as like you know the offbeat goofy columnist in some way when you were here at least sure sure but when you did how difficult is it to toggle between that you know the guy who is looking for the lighter side of stuff or who can do an offbeat story like you did a story on ridiculousness uh, for for the ringer now which is hilarious because my wife watches that like twelve hours a day on a Saturday but you can also do like the hard chop serious journalism stuff. It, it, it's a fine balance, isn't it? Uh, yeah. I mean, they're all different skill sets. I think I've been lucky enough in my career to, to be able to dabble in a bunch of different things. Uh, when I was at NBC, which is when the Sandusky thing happened, uh, it, it was a really fun time in my career because 
on the one hand, I got to do the 700 level show that you guys were both on and it was yep. complete and utter nonsense and, and goofiness. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, you know, I was also doing Sixers post game stuff and Eagles post post game stuff. And like, Sandusky stuff, which is you got to put your serious journalism hat on. Sure. Similarly, here at the Ringer, um, there are moments the call for seriousness. I did a long piece about political contributions from NBA owners where I dug through FEC records for a year, which sucked. It's really hard. Anybody who's ever been on the FEC website knows how Byzantine and arcane it is. And it's like serious stuff when you're talking about like um, House resolutions blocking, you know, the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. HR right. 7120 when you're digging through like uh, congressional legislation is much more difficult than to your point uh, when I'm writing about ridiculousness, which is a show I did not know existed until my editors were like, Hey, are you interested in this? <laughs> so uh, Kern doesn't know what saying, it is. I'm sure a little bit of a, and a little bit of B a little sugar to help the medicine goes down is a fun thing. I mean, like we're, we're all so lucky. Oh yeah. All so lucky. Like the, these jobs are hard to get. They're harder to get than ever. And like, to the extent that we've been allowed to write about anything like we're so we're so or talk about anything just sitting here i mean i've known you guys forever like one of the first times i ever went on the road in my career was with kern and jensen and the great bill lyon when i was still in college to cover my first ever, ever ncaa tournament uh and i'm still doing it so you know that where i can write that, about John? anything where were, where were we at we're in boston we're in boston it For was Villanova? Uh, I I don't remember if Nova was up there, if it was Temple, but I'm pretty sure that was the beginning of Cheney's last uh, Elite Eight run. Oh, uh, no, no. His last didn't, that, didn't that end up in the Meadowlands? No, no, we were in New Orleans and Atlanta for that one. Uh, but Villanova was in Boston in 2009. That's where they beat Pitt in the final, um, the final eight Yeah, that games. was the Scotty Reynolds game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this was this was back when I was in college when I first won. It was ninety eight or ninety nine. Uh, we on our first. No, I've no no. You're it was Temple in Boston. They beat um they beat Bobby Huggins. They beat Cincinnati. But yeah, that might I, be right. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, they did. They went to the final eight and lost to Duke at the Meadowlands. You yeah. are correct. I was there. Yeah, you that was the correct. and that was the genesis of. The, and so I wanted to say to you guys, I love that you're doing this show together because. Um, and I like to think that, you know, we all do this for all of the guys who are coming up. But when I was coming up, you two were two of the most helpful people uh, in that I've ever met in journalism, period. But but in Philly sports, it's really it's really <laughs> a weird thing because we're all so hyper competitive with each other on the books. But then we all go out and eat together. We yeah. all go out and drink together. I wrote that story about uh, when Jeff McLean got popped out of the press box yeah. a couple of years ago. And everybody came to his aid, including Les Bowen. Who had literally had a fist him. fight with him? Yes. <laughs> so I, I just, I just love how much everybody. Hey, uh, sticks Joe Giuliano, Joe Giuliano, and I were technically competition in college yeah. basketball, in golf, and we were, but we weren't because Jensen we were too. Yeah, you know, and Joe would help me, I would help him, and you know, we'd write our stories, and every once in a while, we might scoop each other, but that wasn't really, you know, well, sort of the intent, but. And I'll say this, I'll go to the flip side. There is, there have been elements where it, it hasn't been as fight during the fight during work and then go get dinner. And, and John, you know, sure, sure. Ba- the baseball sure. beef for a long time <laughs> yeah. was filled that way. 
yeah. where it was literally guys ready to to if they ran into a bar together, they would have slugged it out against one another. And you know why I think maybe Kevin, I guess personalities have something to do with that too. Well, that personality for a long that, time was weird. Yes, right. Yes. But at that and time, worked, even and he worked with John and I. <laughs> but going back decades, back into the that in the seventies and the eighties was the competitive beat. Now the competitive beat now is the Eagles more because people now care. But back then baseball was it. Yeah. And if you were the baseball beat writer, that was, that was important. That was a, a big deal. And I think that was before the internet and all that other, all this stuff. So if you beat somebody in the paper, you beat them, you know, that was, and I think there was a lot, of, I think that's why it was like that. Plus we I all saw be- each other more than anybody else. Cause we literally lived yeah. with each other sure. for nine months. Absolutely. Hey, John, you live in a city now that, you know, a lot of people look at L.A. from afar, and, you know, it's laid back, it's this, people. You've won two championships in the last, whatever, three months or whatever it's been. Can't celebrate. What? Yeah, well, uh, what is L.A. like as a sports city? I mean, you know, we, we, you've seen so many things because we had Kobe pass away tragically, so L.A. was in the news a lot for that. You know, then obviously the Lakers win and the Dodgers win and and – what is LA like? You know, how different is it than let's say an East coast city with with sports? Very, very different. It's, it's weird. I mean, the the things that you're mentioning are sort of separate. Like, so interestingly, um, the last time I was on a plane was I was flying back from Philly to LA. I had flown home to do a piece on Allen Iverson. Uh, and I was flying back that day and, uh, a bunch of the Lakers writers were on the plane with me. And one of them, Dan Wykey from the Los Angeles times came back and he was like, did you hear about Kobe? We were in the air when it happened. And that was something that had like, that resonated in the same way that it did back home. Like Mm -hmm. that was because he was such a massive figure for both cities. So that's something that like, that was the same reaction. People like the outpouring of support, the morning, like Kobe. um, So I went to Pencrest. Kobe went to Lower Marion. He was a year younger than me. Like I saw him play basketball when we were both in high school. I covered his senior year for the Delco Times. Like mm-hmm. I've had this attachment to him for years, but like that, that was the same. These championships feel different. Like just if we're just talking about straight up sports, it's different because it's not the same like live or die. Like when I'm talking about, I'm I'm here in LA, I'm watching the Eagles. They're horrendous. I haven't missed a second. People aren't living and dying with the Chargers. People aren't living and dying with the Rams. The Lakers are a different deal. The, Is your talk radio the same out there? I mean, do you have talk radio? They do. They do. It's but it's um it's not the same. It's okay. it's just it's just different. I mean, like people, first of all, it's not the same because it's like 90% Lakers and the Lakers are generally good, right? Mm-hmm. Like, right. And they love to to talk about how good the Lakers are. But like there's a little bit of Dodgers talk, a ton of Lakers talk, and then like the others no are, Kings talk right. at all. And then the football teams exist and people kind of like to watch football in the same way that, you know, if you're watching a, an out of market football game. Yeah. I remember when Mark Wicker was columnist at the orange County paper and we used to run into each other a lot. And Mark would say he LA people love the fact that they had no football team. That's when the Rams were still in St. Louis and the chargers were still in St. He said, it's great. We, we don't have to, you know, we, we, nobody cares and we can watch the rest of the NFL and nothing ever gets blacked out. And, he thought it was a good thing. Now you got two teams. <laughs> I uh, when the Chargers moved up here, because you know the Rams coming back—that's one thing, right? Like you still had people who associated with the Rams and thought of 
themselves as Rams fans. Chargers are San Diego's team. So they're moving up here. And I'm like, I want to see, you know, what a Chargers fan is like. And the Chargers held this promotion at this famous tattoo parlor on the Sunset Strip. I'm in. And so the promotion was show up, we'll give you a free Chargers tattoo. And I'm like, I got to know who's showing up to get a free Chargers tattoo in Los Angeles. There's like seven people there. Wow. You know, like it just, people were like, "Yeah, they found the seven people and they gave them." Well, they, the they played in a it. they played in a soccer stadium and they ended up having visiting teams take over it. I mean, it's right, ridiculous. Right. Um, my final question, and I want to pick your NBA brain one more time. Sure. What's this non-bubble year going to look like? It's going to be weird. I mean, we we've seen what it's looked like uh, with the NFL, where by hook or by crook, they're trying to get those games in. Right, you push mm-hmm. the game back a day, you're, uh, you you push, push it back another day, push, you it, push back it back a back week, a couple hours, <laughs> right? You push it back a week. I mean, like they're just trying to get those games in so they get that TV money. I think it's going to be difficult for uh, the NBA. Now, the good news is the NBA knows they had some success in the bubble, uh, and there are fewer people than with an NFL team or an MLB team. Uh, but yeah, there are going to be the same concerns that you have with any team or any league that's going to have to travel out of market. I mean, the smarter, safer thing to do would be put them in a bubble, but you can't do that for an entire 72 game season. People would lose their minds. So, you know, fingers crossed, but I, I expect it's going to be very strange and, and difficult. And and that's one of the things. It was funny looking at the schedule. The schedule got released today. Like the Sixers will play the, the Pacers back-to-back games here just so the Pacers two games here are done. Like, so yeah. you're in a market, you can stabilize a little bit, and then you're out, that you're not parachuting in and out. I think that's smart. I think that's smart. Um, before you guys let me go, can I ask a question? Sure. Kern, so so again, I, I had said that, you know, when I was coming up, uh, you guys took me under your wing. I'm forever forever grateful for you. I was, like, so odd watching you guys, especially because I'm in college in the late 90s, 98, 99, and I'm watching all the big dogs, you and Jensen. Uh, like Big dogs. It, interview John Cheney and like John Cheney is a legend. And, you know, if you got on his wrong side, he would, he would definitely give you heat, but he used to take off his ties at the end yep. of the games and the interviews and give the ties out. And you've got so many of those ties. How many of those ties do you have left? Well, I got to be honest, John, and I've, I've given some away. And then when he used to come on the Christmas show mm-hmm. after he retired and he, he would give away ties, they, they weren't as good. Some of them were as good. Uh, I, one time, I counted them. I had, like, around 25. Wow. Um, not all from games, though, like I said. Um, but I remember early, like, because I remember Mark Cram did a story. I started covering John in, in 90, the 90-91 season. Kramer had done a story about the ties, about him when he lost the game, taking off a tie. Now, I don't think he did it every time he lost, because that would have been a lot of ties. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> But then I remember the first one he gave me, and I still have it. You know, he's wearing a game, and it's a really no- nice one. And John always had strange ties. You know, John wasn't – his ties were different. Um, and then what happened when I got to know him a little better after, you know, like a year or so, I'd go up to him. Like, if we were on the road especially, and I saw he had a nice tie on, I'd go up and, like, finger it before the game. I said, <laughs> That's really like – boy, I wouldn't mind having that. Oh, God, no. Incredible. Incredible. Oh, no, he would laugh about it. I mean, he, you know, he would, oh, you know, and there were times I remember seeing John. Um, I don't know if he gave it to me or somebody else. It might've been somebody that didn't have a tie like Jensen. Or yeah. somebody, and he went into the locker room and they lost the game. Um, and he sent out John DeSangro 
with the tie to give to Jensen. I'm almost sure it was Mike. You know, that's what John, that, that's what John did. And I remember when they beat in 2000, the year that they, they were really, really good, and they lost to Seton Hall in the second round yeah. of the tournament, you know, with the worst loss in Big Five history. Um, he had this tie that they'd won, like, he'd won, like, 15 straight games with. And they beat Cincinnati with it at Cincinnati late in the season when Cincinnati was number one. And somehow I got that tie because I think they lost their regular season finale to St. Joe's at the Palestra. And there was a picture of John Chaney on a poster, like a Brackettville that ESPN, I think, had put out. And he had that tie on. And I got it. So one day I showed him the poster. I said, John, you see this? I said, I got that. And and he would laugh. We used to go in. Um, I remember like in the mid-90s, I would go into his office in the, the bowels of McGonagall Hall. That was his office. And I would take like 10 of his ties in or eight of his ties. We would trade. And because he would he would say, I really like that tie. And I said, well, John, you, know, you give me two or three, I'll trade you. And and it, it was hilarious. I mean, That's it was awesome. just he, he him and ties. I, I mean, like the, the Armani people and people would stay. What they would do is they'd send him like 50 ties and he would pick like five of them or whatever out. And, keep, and it was just yeah, it, 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 look, there's a million stories like that with John. Chase. Did you ever get one, John? No. Well, I mean, I was I was. A kid in still right, in college, right. yeah. freelancing for the Delco Times, where like my, that first tournament that I was saying that we went to in Boston. I don't know if you remember this, but like one co- quick story because I know Cooney wants to wrap this up. Oh no, uh, no, go ahead. I haven't um, heard. A th- I haven't heard a thing since I heard fingering his ties. But go ahead. <laughs> so oh, yeah, I was, you, had, you had to do it definitely. You know? <laughs> oh, no, don't say it again. Go. <laughs> I mean, I, I was I was awestruck by you guys. Like I was I was in this world where like this is what I wanted to do, and I I read you guys religiously, and like Bill Lyon and you guys just even talking to me was amazing. But so so I I cover the Big Five. I'm still in college, and they make the tournament, of course, and like they go on that run where we end up in the Meadowlands and they lose in the right. Daily Day. But when I first, you probably don't remember this, but like the Delco Daily Times, I'm just a stringer for them, right? And I'm like, okay, well, are you guys going to send me up to Boston? I'm not sending you to Boston. I said, well, what if I go to Boston on my own dime as a college kid? And they're like, yeah, sure, kid. If you get up to Boston on your own, we'll get you credentialed and we'll pay you your normal $50 story rate. And you're, you'll be on your own. And I did that because I wanted to be in this business so bad. And you told me one, that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> and then two, they, they put me on their expense account. They were paying. I stayed in Bill Lyon's room. So I didn't have to pay for a hotel room, Bill Lyon got a, a room with two beds and he said, don't worry about it. And then you guys paid for all my food. And it was yeah. like, it was the most incredible experience one of year, my life because I wanted to do this so bad. So I can't thank you enough. I mean, one year, like, Mike Sealski, I, I want to say it was t- 2010. It was the year after Villanova went to the final four. They lost in the second round up in Providence. But Mike, his, the, your, your former paper, Kevin, was not going to send him. I'm stunned. Shocked. Right. And I said to Mike, I said, no, no, Mike. I said, I got a room. I said, I got two beds. You're coming up. And he looked at me like, I, I said no, and he came up, and we stayed together. For, you know, for you know, God bless him. I, I but that's what we did. I mean, yeah. um, I'm sure that we did it for other guys too, John. I'm sure yeah. over the course Jensen, of life. And that's Jensen did what, it for me when uh, when yeah. we went to the Meadowlands. I ended up staying with Jensen, and like the, it was just incredible. To answer your question about the ties, no, I never got one because one, I wasn't 
I, John Cheney like probably saw my face but didn't understand that I existed and, and right. that's okay. Uh, but two, I, I at that point it was difficult for me to work up the nerve to even ask a question among you guys. Sure, alone, I can, I get on John Cheney's radar to get a tie. Well, oh my god, I well, would have lost a, my here's shit. Here's a little story. A little story I had something to do about the second year I covered Temple, second or third year. So it would have been like ninety-two. No, no, I think it was ninety-four. I think Eddie and Aaron were seniors, and um. John takes. I'm going to do the story. A life, a day, a day with John Cheney. Okay, so we're going to we go at the Maniunk, the place where he gets his shirts and tie. He's buying hundred dollar white shirts in 1993. Okay, that's what he did. So he's like, so he looks at this whole big thing of ties. He says, oh, you know, uh, pick out a tie. You know, okay, well, I don't know. So I picked, and of course he didn't like the one I picked out. Oh, that's a. He had a word for it. I can't remember the word, but anyway. So I went back to the office, and I, I went into Mike Rath at my editor. And I said, Mike, look, John bought me a tie. I said, like, am I, you know, is this like a, you know, is this bad because now, you know, you know I don't want to, like, a, a, a conflict of interest. He goes, tell you what. He goes, go out and buy John a tie and then give it to him. So I did. I went out, and I took, like, three days, you know, 15 different stores, and I got one that I really thought he, and I went and I showed it to Dean Demopoulos, his assistant, because Dean had a lot of John Cheney ties. So I said, did I do okay? And he said, yeah, th- this is really good. I said, okay. So I gave it to him at the 8-10 um, dinner before the 8-10 tournament. So we come out the first game at the Palestra. They're playing. John's wearing the tie. That's awesome. Okay? No, it's not awesome. Oh, no. Because I turned to Jensen or somebody and said, this is bad. <laughs> I said, if something wrong happens in this game, I'm dead meat. Because John was so superstitious about everything. Long story short, at the last play of the first half, Aaron goes down holding his ankle. Now, I'm ready to go home. So after the game, Aaron's okay. Turns out it wasn't whatever. He comes into the interview room. He takes the tie off, and he gave it to one of his players. I think it was Aaron or Eddie or somebody. But that was John's way of showing me, hey, I'm wearing your tie. You know, I'm going, I'm going to, you know, he didn't have to do that. He didn't, but that's how John was. He was just, you know, he had those little quirks about him that were just priceless. Oh, um, what a God legendary story. Oh, he, 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 look, I know there's a lot of great guys in Philadelphia. We've all covered them. We know who they are. There's a guy at Villanova right now. That's awesome. Fran Dunphy was awesome. Yeah. Uh, Phil Martell. He like, yeah, Phil yeah. took a lot of heat. Phil was awesome. Yeah. Okay. And there's other speedy. I'm going to leave some names out. I don't mean to Love do that. Speedy. John Cheney is just, you know, he's an iconic Philadelphian. I don't know any other way to, you know, to put it. And um, you, you getting to be around him, you guys getting to be around awesome. him too. Yeah. You should consider yourselves lucky. I was very lucky. I got to admit, John was one of my favorites that I covered. Uh, and I only covered him briefly. I didn't cover him as much as obviously as you both did. Uh, I, I ended up on the Villanova end of it. Uh, for a lot of years too. So, uh, was there yeah, well, one getting Jay, Jay, getting Jay Wright on your thing isn't a bad. That's not either, bad. Kevin. Yeah, I, I didn't give him my tie like you told me to after he won the national championship. That I had, I had to surrender to Jay uh, John my tie from Houston in his mind. And, and Jay's like, no, 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 that's okay. Like Jay, like literally, like the thirty dollar casual mail tie was going to end up in Jay's wardrobe somehow. Right. You know? Wait a minute, Kevin. Give me that again, Kevin. I'm, I, I, I wore the story. But... I wore a shirt and tie to the national championship right. game, and you kept I, wearing the same shirt and tie, right? Well, you you said that I had to wear it from the national semifinal to the national championship that's game. Right. Okay. That's right. 
Then after the national championship game and the Jenkins shot and he hits it, you come to me in Houston and go, you got to give your tie down to Jay. That's right. You and do. I'm like, And I'm like, no, I don't. Because Jay has like, like 5,000 ties and they're all cost about $150. And mine was like 22 bucks a casual That's not mail. the point. The point was you wore it for those two games and they won the national and, title. And Jay, and Jay told me to wear it for my wedding. So there you go. See? Uh, and did you? I did. That's awesome. Um, we we talk about good coaches. In your time in Philadelphia, who was the worst person to deal with? Oh God! Oh, wow, that's a tough one. Um, <coughs> like I personally okay. think Je- uh, Charlie was the best person. I love oh, Charlie. I was going to say Charlie would have been at the top at the top of my list of like one of the greatest dudes to deal with. Brett yep. Brown again, one of the greatest deals dudes to deal with. Um, this is for a different reason. And I, I think like maybe it would be different now if we could go back and like talk to each other and like realize that it was not as good, but Joe Banner was not great for me because, right. um, and you know, I, I wrote a lot of things about Joe in the inquire that obviously stung him. I, I consistently said that he was really awesome with, um, the business side of right. the business, even some of the football side of the business, what he was not good at, what he was consistently bad at was the PR component. And towards the end of my time at the Inquirer, as I ended up at NBC Sports, he became more and more front-facing personality. And I just thought he was awful at it. And I wrote about that. And when I got to NBC Sports my first year, um, just actually as I was signing the contract, and this is something that has been talked about before, they said, okay, and I had left the Inquirer. I was signing my name on the thing. They said, you're not going to be covering the Eagles for the first year. And I said, that's not the agreement that we had. Like, what are you talking about? Where's this coming from? And I eventually found out that it was because NBC Sports was a partner with the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Joe leaned on them because Joe doesn't like me or didn't at the time. I don't know. We haven't talked in years. Uh, and NBC buckled. And right. that's something the Inquirer never would have done. Uh, they used to field those calls, much to their credit, and laugh them off because that's what you that's do. That's the when difference you're between newspapers and and stations. Yeah, Man. and and you know yeah. what? Eventually, everything. I, I have nothing but good things to say about my time at NBC Sports, and I'm not blaming mm-hmm. them for this. And right. I understand why they made that decision. I personally would not have made that decision because, as a journalist, I value very much my independence, uh, and the idea of team partners like burns me. Um, but I get why they did it from a business perspective. Uh, and, and it all worked out in the end, but so it would be Joe Banner for me just because that still leaves a better taste in my mouth. Hold on. Think about this. Think about this guys. Think about this. And Kevin, you cover a lot of high schools. Mm -hmm. I could think about what, like you asked him to come up with the worst guy. Let's say of all the guys we covered. Okay. 90 to 95% of them were good guys. I mean, we'd run into an asshole every now and again, and I can think of a few. And one's in LA right now. One's in LA coaching a college team right now. Uh, Chip. Okay. Okay. Right. But I didn't cover Chip. I did. So, I mean, I I didn't deal with Chip. I'm just talking about the guy, like the guy who was at Penn, Glenn Miller. Right. You didn't get that. That was bad. Steve Adazio. Uh, Right. And I know uh, Steve Adazio. Right. But I know. Like me, and Phil and I had a couple moments, but Phil, we turned out at the end to have a really good relationship. What? And I, I just don't remember a lot of guys that I can honestly say, my God, like I had to cover that. Even like Adazio, as, as weird as he could be or whatever, mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, like dread going to a Temple press conference or something because, you know, he was going to be there. It's, it's just, it's amazing in a town 
like ours with so many coaches that most of them are good guys. Let me let me ask a final question, John, because we've taken up way too much of his time. But this is great. Um, you mentioned NBC Sports Philly, uh, and I know you know what's going on back here yeah. with what's happened from three thousand miles away. How t- how tough is it? Because you you were a major voice there for a long time, and obviously, it's not what it used to be. It's it's brutal in the industry. Period. Right. It's always right. been brutal in this industry. Uh, it is absolutely cutthroat. Uh, and that's in the best of times when organizations have money. Uh, and you've seen these layoffs. I mean, Disney's a mega mega corporation and they're, they've got it ESPN. Bleacher Report got rid of its magazine component. Mm-hmm. Uh, SB Nation laid off a ton of people. Uh, the RSNs across all of NBC Sports got gutted. Golf Channel got gutted. I mean, like, and on and on and on and on and on. So uh, my reaction is the same reaction that I've had anytime I see it uh, from a macro perspective, which is just it sucks. It sucks to see this. It's really disheartening. I hate for anybody to lose their job. I want journalism to thrive. And it's a difficult time in the industry right now, as it has been for over a decade. I mean, these layoffs, Kern knows uh, as well as anybody, the, the minute I got hired at the Inquirer, they just like, they, they haven't stopped laying off people since then. But um, it hurts, especially to see what happened at NBC Sports Philly, because I worked with all those people. Mm-hmm. And when Kern's saying, you know, 95% of the people we covered were good people, same with the people I worked with. Yep. I mean, yeah. like, like yeah. those guys, like, some I've worked at places that have had toxic environments and that there's a competition level and people don't get along. NBC sports Philly was the opposite, man. Everybody was rooting for each other. Everybody was nice. Like everybody wanted to help me, you know, promote the 700 level show. And I tried to help them with theirs. And we all went on each other's programs and like, it sucks. It's devastating. It's devastating. And, and, and you know, I the really they, bad part, yeah. it's going to get worse. I know it ain't going to get better No. And that's, I don't know like what the end game is. Uh, I, I, I don't really don't. No, I don't and, and I think, you know, and I think that's that's the sad part. There's no there's no crystallized me- uh, path to see what the end game is here, and it's a, it's a shame. John Gonzalez from the Ringer, uh, formerly of NBC Sports. Yeah, I, I want to I want to end on a happier note. And go just ahead. To the, go to the two because sure. that was a depressing note. What the hell, Kevin? Let me. I'm let a me, poor I'm host. Take over your show for a second. I'm a poor say, host. I could have asked you about Vi Sikahima. Uh, and, and, and Vi is also one of my favorite people that I've ever worked with and I wish him uh, Godspeed in retirement, but to the two of you, uh, I've known you for a very long time. I am honored to be on your show. It is wonderful to sp- see your smiling faces. And when I say, I truly can't thank you enough for just like being nice humans who helped me as I was coming up. I cannot thank you enough. John, I, I, I could say the same. Honor. I could say the same, you know, we, we've known each other for a long time and, and, we 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 bust on each other, but it's all in good fun. And uh, I had a ton of fun on the road the couple times I was on the road with you. And I it miss was, you guys. It, it, and look I at it this way: we all out kicked the coverage when we got married. Yes, we but did. John, you really out kicked the coverage. <laughs> I mean, like that's you, a long that's a long return, man. Because there's nobody <laughs> down there covering that. Uh, <laughs> say hi to Colleen for me. I one thousand percent agree with you. Uh, I am very happy to have a successful media member in our family. That's I remember when she was like an intern on the golf show. Yeah. The, the, you know, and, and the I'm Charlie Manuel show and the Charlie yeah, Manuel, you know, NFL network, you know, the, the, you know, all over the place. Yeah, it's, and she, it's amazing. And, and she hasn't had to travel everywhere. Like she usually do, does for Thursday night football and everything. So I guess it's not, it's been, is that a, I guess that's been awesome. Right. 
It's been great. This is the most time we've spent together in years because the two of us were constantly on a plane traveling for work. And now neither of us is on a plane traveling for work. And luckily, uh, I love her very much. And she... uh, Tolerate you? uh, Yeah, I exist and it's working out okay. (laughs) Is there ever going to be like a little gonzo somewhere? I mean, hey, I'm... Maybe I, there's not. That's okay too. I would hope that it would be a little Colleen more than a little. A couple, Gonzo. Of, <laughs> little Colleen's even better. Uh, way better. Way better. Well, well you know what you do? Here's what you do: twins, <laughs> twins, girl and a boy. There you go. I'll, I'll work on that for you. Guns, I'll let you know how it Guns, th- please come back. I appreciate it. Uh, Absolutely. It was this was the best. You guys are the best. Thanks, John. Look Gonzo- out for those fires, man. Yeah, John, John Gonzalez joining us, and we'll be back on working the beat right after this. Just point me where you wanna go Take me to the action Take me to the track Take me to a party If they're betting in the back I've been working all my life Can't afford to wait Let me call my wife So I can tell her I've been late I want to ease Our thanks to John Gonzalez for joining us And right from John Into the picks segment And uh before we get to the pick segment, go ahead. I want to run something by you just to get your thought. Sure. Uh, so the NBA comes out with their early partner schedule or whatever. Mm-hmm. The Sixers are not playing on Christmas, which I believe is the first or the second day or the twenty seconds, the so, first day back, right? Yeah. Um, I'm guessing they, yeah. they start on the twenty second, right? Twenty third. All right, no, twenty second, twenty second, twenty second, and the okay. Sixers play on the twenty third. So, Right, so Christmas, there's like six or seven or eight games. Yeah, you know, it's, it's wall-to-wall games all day. And the Sixers aren't one of the teams on? How about the Sixers aren't listed as an ABC game in the first half of the year? So that kind of tells you something. I see, but see, I think they're missing the boat. Look, I get it. They were the sixth seed last year. I understand that. I understand they got swept in the bubble. Okay, fine, whatever. They have two of... The, the young stars, I mean, I don't, wherever you want to rank them, uh, Simmons was a second or third team all NBA guy, and mm-hmm. Bede's been a second or whatever. They have a coach in Doc Rivers that is one of the faces of this league. Mm-hmm. Whatever you think of him as a coach, mm-hmm. he, I just can't believe that of all the, the games that they're going to have on, they wouldn't have had room for the Sixers. And I, I'm not knocking any of the games they have. I'm, I'm, no, just I know, I know what you're saying. I just, and I like that. I, I like the fact that like, yeah. everybody's kind of like overlooking them now. That's fine. I mean, I think I also wonder if how much of the schedule was set in stone before the Horford trade. And they're a different looking team now than they were at the Horford trade. I mean, so Boy, you think you think this NBA schedule was was done a month or so ago? I don't I don't know. I, I don't know. I, 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 I got to believe if you're the league, I would want Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons and Doc Rivers. Right. On at some point that day. That's all. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong. All right, uh, here we go. Uh, do you have your college picks ready, there, sir? I I got a few things. You know, this is I, not. I, a, I hate the whole. I hate the whole pro card. I really do. Yeah, but that's okay. Yeah, it's not a I'm great. I'm allowed it's, to. It's not a great pro card. But let's start in the colleges. Uh, I'm going to start actually on a Friday night game. I'm going to take Appalachian State leading. Lead, uh, giving three to Louisiana. And you're thinking, well, why, Kev? Louisiana's in the top 25. I love Zach Thomas. I saw Appalachian State a couple weeks ago when they played Coastal Carolina. I think this kid has a good arm. 
He's a senior. He's thrown 17 touchdowns. He's thrown eight picks, but he's cut down on the picks as the year's gone along. I'm taking Appalachian State. The Mountain Gotta Hears put the tonight. music down. Sorry. Music is loud. You got That's it? All right. How's that? Is that better? No, it's loud. No. Oh, okay. Sorry. That's no, I'm just saying it was very loud. Oh, you know um, what? On the FaceTime I can when we do FaceTime I can do it, but I can't do it on that. That's uh, all right. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Um, yeah, I was actually looking at that game and I was looking at the same side you were. It just seemed like a pretty even game. I mean, App State's at home. I think I read something that the visiting team has either won or covered six of the last eight meetings in that in that series. But they're two good teams. It's it's you know, two teams you don't get to see very often. It's probably a good game to watch, you know, tonight if you're not watching Blue Bloods or it's the first Blue Bloods of the new season. Um, so I called my friend in Toledo, which I often do uh-huh. when I see a line come out. I said, hey, Toledo's giving nine at Northern Illinois. Mm-hmm. What do you think? And it's a Saturday game, which for the Mac is weird anyway. But he said he would take his pension, his 401K, and a couple other things and take Northern Illinois. So, on that note, I'm going to just throw it out there and say my Toledo guy, and he's not always right, um, thinks that Northern Illinois getting nine and a half against the Rockets at home is a good play. So, just thought I would share that. I'm also I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay. I'm going to actually go to the American of all things, and I'm going to stay at the bottom of the top twenty-five. But I'm going to call another upset here. I'll take Navy. Getting 12 at home against Tulsa. Yes, I know Navy is three and five. This is not a normal Navy team. You're going to give me 12 and a half, though, at home? I'll take it. I I do think, you know, Navy's not exactly a team that's gotten blown. Since that BYU game, they've been okay. I'll take Navy. I'll, I'll take the 12 and a half. Okay. Um, By the way, I, Na- I, I, I'm, Navy's... I'm taking this game. What? Navy's played one game, I should point out, since Halloween. So Yeah, and you see, I, I, there's so many reasons in college football to stay away from games. You know, like somebody's had COVID, so yeah, like, like Ohio yeah. State this week. Yeah, who the hell knows what, yeah, what's going to happen? And, and, and there seems like almost every other game has some component to that to it. So, But, yeah, I, I, you know, it, it is what it is. I'm going to take this game, and I don't know why I'm taking this game. It's just one of those – I'm going to take Auburn getting five and a half at home to Texas A&M. I thought about that. And this is the time of the year. Actually, it's a little past the time of the year, but when teams lose games that they probably shouldn't, teams are in the hunts for things. They're trying to get in the playoffs. They're trying to do this. They're trying to do that. And uh, Auburn got beat pretty good by Alabama last week. They're not a great Auburn team by any stretch. Gus might be playing coaching for his job, but I just kind of have a feeling that I think they could win the game outright. So I mean, I don't know what the money line would pay you. Well, how much but, would how much would that benefit uh, the committee? Because they have they have to keep A and M ahead of Florida right now because A and M beat Florida head to head. Well, unless yeah, and that's fair. I have no problem with that. But A and um, but A and M is not exactly. I would say. I mean, you know, they're not going to get a crack at Alabama, correct? Like it's going to be no. They Florida. lost. The, they lost to the Alabama. Right, that was their one loss. Right, but they're not going to. They're not going to see a rematch in the SEC championship game. No, it's but not if that they're way. sitting there with one loss, loss, right? 
and Florida doesn't beat Alabama in the, the SEC title game, they got a shot at getting in. Yeah. But they got to win all their games. They can't, they certainly can't stumble here. And maybe they won't. You know, maybe they're that good that they're, you know, because I don't think Auburn's much. And I don't know if Auburn even has a game. I'm sure Auburn probably has a game after this. I'm sure this isn't their last game. But I just take a shot, take Auburn. Uh, they've burned me a couple times this year. So I'll keep taking a chance with them. Auburn has Mississippi State next week. So, yeah. In a, in a nothing game. In a nothing game. Actually, you know, it's going to be strange. Next week's the Army-Navy game. This would normally be conference championship weekend. Uh, in a right. Normal we're, still, we're still two weeks away from that. We're still two weeks away from that. And the Actually, big, three, isn't it? Yeah, no. and, and the Big Ten might be a mess if Michigan can't play and Ohio State ends up not qualifying. With, they will know, change the rules. They will. Trust me on this one. Now, the committee might. I mean, that could hurt them. I don't know what's going to happen. But I, I can't. I find it hard to believe that an unbeaten Ohio State Big Ten champion that came up one game short of whatever they had to come up with. Now you're telling me that the Big Ten won't let them play in the in the title game? That's the, well, the rules. You know stay what, now, good for the Big Ten because the Big Ten has screwed this up from day one. Yeah. So you know what? I'll root for that. I'll root for them to be sitting there complaining at Ohio State, and we're going to have a, a Northwestern. Um, who would be in the title game then? North, well, it could be Indiana and Northwestern. That's good. And the Indiana quarterback's out for the year because he got hurt. Yeah, Penix. Wonderful. Michael Penix. Yes, that's great. Good Good for the Big Ten. And, in, and Indiana, by the way, plays Wisconsin this week without Penix. And, 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 and they're, they're gonna probably going to lose because they're two touchdowns. On yeah, the at Camp Randall. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, wouldn't it be funny, though, if – if Jim Harbaugh decides, and it's obviously not all his decision, but if Michigan backs out from playing next week and does hurt Ohio State that way, because Harbaugh can't beat him on the field, like I don't think it's I don't think it's Jim's call. I don't think it has anything to do with Jim. But you're right. Big Ten screwed this up from the start. And, well, I mean, look, they tried, right. but why would you even put a minimum amount of games in? No. You know, but that's them, so whatever. Notre Dame, by the way, plays Syracuse this week. They're 34-point favorites. I, yep. I, I wouldn't touch it. Um, but Notre Dame State at Rutgers? I think Rutgers wins outright. <laughs> but they're 12-point underdog at home, 11-point yeah. under. I don't know. You know, Penn State's probably feeling a little bit better about themselves. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, would pro- I would take the points, I think. I don't know if I, I would go with But, yeah, yeah, luck. It's a one in five team against the whatever Rutgers is. I mean, yep. you know, uh, I got one other game. I, I, I don't know why I even came up with this game. I just look at. I don't even know a whole hell. Stanford's getting twelve at Washington, and I, I like the Stanford coach. He's always been pretty good. Yeah, I know they're not. I don't know how good Washington is this year. I've, I've been trying to follow the Pac twelve a little bit. I'll take Stanford in the points. Yeah. What the hell do I know? I don't uh, know anything. All right, to the NFL. Um, do you have a couple? Do you want me to read the Start list? With down? the Eagles, because you're going to take the Packers and put like your whole house on it. Uh, yeah, I, I basically have called this the Big Red Bow game. That if you want to buy a car for your wife and put a big yeah, red, you know bow that's going to come back to bite you in the ass. I'm just telling. I'm, I'm not, I'm not actually gambling on it, Mike. I'm just. I know, but when you come out and say this is the game that you're going to get your car on, okay, that's fine. Packers might win by three touchdowns, but. Well, a lot of people seem to think. And Darius Slay is questionable, and it sounds like he may not go. Yeah, well, okay. That's fine. 
And and the Packers have the worst run defense in the NFL, but of course the Eagles don't run. I'm just telling you, I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying is I, I I never ever ever try to say a game is I'm going to get my wife a car because it'll come back to kick me in the ass. Joke. I know it will. It's a joke. I, I, it should po- be pointed out. What's that? It's a joke. It's a it's it's a comedy. I thing. understand that, Kevin, okay. but I've heard you say it four times, and uh, that's okay because if the Packers win by three. Then your wife's three touchdowns. Then your wife's going to get a new car. <laughs> she she's she's probably rooting for it. She actually finds those type of things go, tacky. The 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 bow on the hood and buying a wife buying a well, spouse are, a car. Yeah, they are tacky. But if if somebody's going to have put you a actually bow known car, have you stick in my driveway? Go ahead. Have you actually um, known somebody who has done that? No, no. But then again, I don't know anybody that gets a Mercedes Benz for Christmas. You know, you, you see the commercial. And some guy's got a fifty thousand dollar car sitting. You know, yeah, exactly. I treated myself for Christmas. Okay. Fine. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. So I'm taking the I'm taking the Packers. It's yeah. eight and a half. You go down and tell me the games you like, and if you want to run down it, because I, I I think the card this week is just it, it's. I'm not thrilled with very much on it, <sighs> and the couple games I do like, I'm not really. I like. All right. You know, I'll tell you one. I love the Titans laying five and a half against the Browns. Okay. I think the Browns have a little fraudulent in them. A little fraudulent. Just a little. They're and a little the, but the, the Browns five the, and a half. Yeah. I don't think I don't think the Titans are gonna lose the game. But you know, I, I there's a lot of teams in this league, Kevin, that they get you one week and they get you the next week. You know, if you go back and look at about ten of these teams, because I've been trying to, you know, the Rams. You know, one week they'll look great. They, they, they you know, and then the next week, it had to lose that game. How'd you mean? Um, it's good. Tennessee's been that way a little. Um, Indy's been that way a little. Um, I, yeah, I could go on and on, but there's a lot of those teams mm-hmm. kind of in this league. The Cardinals, right? Perfect example of that, and they're playing the Rams this week, which you know, I. I could probably make a case for the Cardinals, but then I'm like, I actually was going to. That was going to be my next pick. I'm going to take the Cardinals. I'll take the three at home. I think there's a must win for the Cardinals. Six and five. They're getting three? They're getting three at home. Well, it is a must win for them. That doesn't mean they'll win. But they've been, you know, about a month ago, everybody was real high on the Cardinals. And and then they go out and lose a couple games. And you're just kind of like, really? Like, I don't know. I think they'll win that game. I, I think they have a – but the Rams aren't bad, and the Rams lost last week, mm-hmm. you know, to a team they never beat. They never beat the Niners. Um, and I actually liked the Rams last week. Um, yeah, it's just – like I said, there's so many games in this league. And, what do you think and, about and the fi- – um, And I got a final go ahead. pick. Go ahead. The Bills are even. Yeah, uh, that was the game – that was one of two games I was going to ask you about. The Bills are even in Arizona against – the 49ers. Uh, right. Well, where is that? Where's the Arizona Rams game being played? Arizona. But there was one on a Monday night One's or something? Monday night, yeah. Okay. So you're going to take the Bills? I'm taking the Bills. Yeah, I I, I would lean to that side too. I agree with you. I, um, I, I think it's going to be a real rough slog for the Niners being on the road for the final five weeks of the season. It probably is, but this is the first one of them, so. Yeah. I would lean towards the Buffaloes, and, and there's another game: the um, the Indies and the Texans. Uh, Indies, Indies coming off a big win, and and now right? Indies coming off a loss. They lost to Tennessee. Oh, oh, that's right. I'm sorry, my bad. But they had a big win the week before that against Green Bay. Right, right. It, it's it's one, like I said. It, yeah. 
So, uh, you know, the Texans aren't much, but sometimes they can be. Yeah. You know, I mean, when you lean towards Indy in that game. Yeah, the Texans are a different. The Texans have had uh, four extra days because of because off. Right. The Texans have also lost Will Fuller. Yeah. Um, so you take him out of the mix. For Desha- Their defense isn't too good. No. Uh, I would take the Colts personally, but that's me. Yeah, and, and there's one other game uh, was the uh, New Englands and the Chargers. Yeah, there's no basically, line, there's no line on that game. What's that? There's no line on that game. Well, there was a line when I looked today. It was, I think it was the um, New England's giving one. No, uh, the one thing I've seen is uh, LA was given one and a half, but the line has been taken down for some reason. Somebody's hurt. Yeah, somebody. It got, it's got to be a quarterback. It's got It's got to either be Cam or, um, but you said San Diego. I mean, San Diego. You said the Chargers were the favorite. Chargers are the favorite, according to this, uh, by one and a half. This is my feeling about the Chargers. And I like their coach. I mean, I did. He's going to get fired. Yeah, he is. He's a big, apparently a bad clock man. Whatever. They he's lose brutal. an awful lot of tight games. They do. I mean, I think every loss they've had this year has been a one possession loss, a one score loss. And last year they lost a bunch of them. Yeah, they, they lost the really an overtime. Looking young City. quarterback. Um, I think they. I think he's going to be gone. Yes. Um, you know, which of course will be one less African American coach in the league. Uh, unless they replace him with an African American coach, um, yeah. It's just and but I, you know, and, and while I don't like New England, it's still Bill Belichick, right? You know, and and with no team at all, he has no team. They should have beat Buffalo a few weeks ago. If Cam don't fumble the ball, yeah, they would have beat Buffalo. And he just seems like they figure out a way. They, I, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Um, you want? But he's got nothing up there. They they got no team. You were talking about how bad this weekend is. Okay, uh, I'll run down the list here. Give me a quick pick. Saints three point favorites over the Falcons. Everybody's like the Falcons. Yeah, I, I've been listening to all kind of people. I, I mean, the Falcons. I know played. Was it last week? They won like forty to three or something. Yeah, over the Raiders. Over the Raiders. Um, I don't like that game, but I, I still. Every time I get the Falcons, they they get me. Um, and I think the Saints are the better team. And I'll tell you what: if you're the Eagles, yeah. You Don't root for the Falcons. Falcons. Because the last thing you want is the Saints coming in here next week off a loss. Maybe with Drew Brees back too. I, even if they week. have the other guy, you you don't want them in being in no mood because you know that Sean will then get them up for that game. Lions and Bears in Chicago. Oh, Bears God, are three please. point favorite. Just go. They, they, they two bad football teams. What's I the, mean, I did the Bears. What? I'd probably play the Bears. Over under and like, how about you like, want you want to bet under forty five on that one? <clears throat> yeah, but as soon as I bet that the under forty five, you yeah. you know there'll be three interception returns for touchdowns, yeah, or, or something. <laughs> yes. I mean, where is that game at? Is that game in Chicago? In Chicago, I, I'd have to bet the Bears. For for for, I mean, Trubisky's playing right. Yep, yeah. and sunny in forty one. By the way, because weather yeah. is. Uh, all right, we did. I mean, if the Bears can't beat the Lions, I think they've lost five straight games, right? Yep. Dolphins eleven over the Beng- over the Bengals at home, and Tua might not play. He's um he's banged Fun. up. Yeah. I mean, look, the, the Bengals are so bad without the quarterback. But are you really want to lay eleven with the Dolphins? 
I mean, I don't know. I can't, I can't find a bone in me that would bet the Bengals without without the quarter, without Burrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, no. Uh, Jaguars and Vikings, uh, Minnesota favored by 10 at home. You know, as weird as it sounds, I would take the I Jags. Think I would take a shot with the Jags. I do too. Uh, Jack- and, and that's and think about this: you're putting real money on a team that's won one game. Yeah, think about that. And and, and the Jags. Speaking of winning one game, you're going to give me the Raiders Jets next. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's a zero win team. Uh, What's that line like? Ten, eight and a half. Where's the game at? New York. Oh God! Double you know, double trip east for the Raiders. By the way, Raiders yeah, were in Atlanta the, and then had to go home the, and then had to go to New York. Yeah, but they got the crap kicked out of them last week. So who the hell knows? I mean, I got to believe the Raiders are going to play, and the Jets are bad. But you know, don't the Jets have to? They can't score. I I don't know, man. I I hate laying eight and a half points on the road, but I I. I yeah, play. You know what you should do? Play a parlay this weekend. Jets and the Jags. <laughs> Just put like ten bucks on it. <laughs> see, see if they both cover. Uh, all right. We did Rams, Cardinals. We did Colts, Texans, uh, Giants, and Seahawks. Seahawks favored by eleven. I I couldn't touch the game only because no, I don't Jones. know if if Daniel Jones is going to well, play. He's not going to play. How you know what's he going to be? I don't know if Seattle care. Seattle. Is going to they might not lose again because their schedule is all NFC East basically for the rest of the season. Uh, they're in great shape. I don't think they looked very interested against the Eagles. Yeah, the the, um, the rest of their schedule: Giants, Jets, yeah, Jets at home. They get the Giants and Jets at both at home. Go yeah. to Washington. I, they can play that game in 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 wherever. Right, it wouldn't matter. Go to Washington. Then they have the yeah. Seahawks. Uh, then they had the Rams come there. And they go yeah. to Arizona to play the Niners, the Raptors. Yeah, but the next three weeks, I mean, look, at Washington could be tough. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they, they should beat the Giants and they should beat the Jets. So, you uh, know, which would get them to like uh, the 11-2, and two, right? I guess. Bron- yeah, that puts them in pretty good shape. Broncos 13.5 over the, the – I'm sorry, the Chiefs 13.5 over the Broncos. I uh, couldn't bet against it. I'm, I'm not saying lay two touchdowns, but – you, you go ahead. I, I think I, I read some stats somewhere. The Chiefs are like uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but like 16 and four in their last 20 games against the spread. Yeah. So so go ahead and bet against that. Uh, this is an interesting one. Washington's in Pittsburgh on Monday. Yeah. Uh, Steelers are favored by seven. Yeah, now, but and their coach just reamed them out. You know. Um. That but, part but they're not they're not the type of team that I don't know. Maybe maybe I, maybe I'm overselling it. But the, the Steelers don't blow teams out. No, but their coach just lashed into the I I you know, they won a, a game against a team that was really undermanned and that's their biggest rival. And Tomlin just came out and ripped the crap out of them cuz they should have won that game by like three touchdowns and they might have if they didn't have all the Red zone screw ups and the drop passes. I just see, and I, I respect the heck out of Ron Rivera and their quarterback, but I just see the Steelers playing a really good game. Now, will that be enough to cover a seven? Is that game at Washington? No, it's in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, I see that to me is a perfect game 
even though the Steelers were unbeaten and, and you know, you don't like, I would tease that game down to a Pittsburgh win and then find something else to tease right. it with. You know, it's funny when you see a team like the Steelers and you go, wow, 11 and 0, they must be rolling on people. You know how many games they've won out of those 11 by double figures? I don't care. No, I'm it just saying, like, there's an image sometimes that we have, and this is why I think there's the, the maybe the hesitancy to, to assume that Pittsburgh can beat Kansas City when it gets down to that. Doesn't matter. Is that they're not super dominant. They just. But it doesn't. They've beaten They've beaten good teams when they've had to. I think they've beaten. They beat Baltimore, they Baltimore twice. Baltimore they beat Tennessee. Um, right. I think there was another team in there that they beat. I'm trying to remember who they've beaten. Uh, they, yeah, beat, they beat the Giants, it, Broncos, Texans, Eagles. Yeah, but at the time, the Texans were, were – people thought the Texans could be okay. They rolled the um, Browns at home, 38-7. Right? Yeah. Uh, right. Titans on the road, Ravens right. on the road, Cowboys on the road, uh, yeah. Bengals, and then Jaguars. So, But again, Kevin, I remember in 2002 – Ohio State won like seven games uh, by less than a touchdown or less than 10 or whatever the number was. It was good. And they got into the championship game against Miami, and nobody gave Ohio State a chance. Now, yep. they should have lost the game because it was a bad referee's call, but they were winning the game the whole way, 17-14 Miami. But all I'm saying is I don't care. that You don't get – you know, it's like – so they're not really loving – I mean – yeah, I get it. I don't think the Steelers are the reincarnation of the Bears in 85. But right now, they're one of the best two or three teams in the league. Um, and I don't care how they're getting it done or why they're getting it done. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and try to demean them because they ain't winning games by 25 points. In this league, most teams don't win a lot of games like that. They just don't. No. It's it's the NFL. It's not, you know, Nebraska playing, playing uh, you know, uh, Ohio State or something. You don't you don't get a lot of lopsided games. So, you know, to me it is what it is. And the Steelers are probably going to get their chance at some point to play Kansas City. Or maybe they won't. You know, maybe Kansas City will lose. Or maybe Pittsburgh will lose before they play Kansas City. I don't know. But uh, um, I think they're the two best teams right now. And, and there's other teams in the discussion, certainly. But uh, I – my feeling is that Kansas City is the best team until somebody proves, proves otherwise. otherwise. Yeah, I agree. And they might. They might. You know. uh, final game is obviously Cowboys and Ravens. That's Tuesday. That yeah. has no line right now because of, obviously, Lamar Jackson's situation with COVID. Is that game in Baltimore? It's in Baltimore. That would have been Boy. the Thursday night game. And they're playing next Tuesday? They're playing on Tuesday. Sight unseen, I would have to play Baltimore. Yeah. But... This is, by the way, again, I don't know. This is, by the way, the first year in NFL history that they will play a game every day of the week. Yeah, well, because look, it's they're COVID, right? Because they're going to play a Friday game on on Christmas Day. We, we knew this when they started. We and Roger Goodell, every time he gets up there and talks, and you're going to hear the same thing from from um, the NBA commissioner at some point. You, you're probably going to hear the same thing from the NHL commissioner at some point. You heard from. Uh, Bettman or um, Manfred, uh, the baseball commissioner, when they were having all their problems early in the season, this is what it is. Yeah. You can't. You either have to be. Uh, you have to resign yourself to the fact that this is the way it's going to be, and you're going to try to do it the best you can, or you don't do it. 
Right. These are your two choices. So the NFL has gotten to week 12 um, relatively unscathed. I mean, you know, there's been six or eight games moved around, but, you know, they haven't missed a game yet. No. Um, And they seem very intent on not missing. See, at some point, maybe I'm weird. If there was a game that really didn't matter, you know, like the Broncos were going to play um, Chargers. the Jets. Yeah, whatever. You know. And and there was like a COVID situation, right? You just say, nah. Just, you know, because there's no fans involved. So yeah. you're not it's not like you're you gotta refund seventy five thousand. No, no, but it's television whatever. merchandise and that's what moves it. I get I get it, Kevin, but I mean I understand why you're trying to play Pittsburgh's games or you're trying to play Kansas City games or NFC East games because all every NFC East game matters. Um but my goodness, I mean, it, it, and you see it with college football, at least a little, like you were saying about Michigan. You know, there's really no reason for Michigan to play. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's and there's probably about 40 teams around the country you can make the same statement about. Um, but here we are. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, so when we um, so when we get back together on Tuesday next week, what's the main headline off the for the Eagles? What's the what? Main headline with the Eagles. Oh, God. Um, we still going to be talking about the uh, struggles of the quarterback? Are we going to talk about Doug and his pl- giving up the play calling, apparently, to Press Taylor? Um, oh, that's bu- that's a bullshit story. Don't, don't even, <laughs> you know, no, here, here's the one thing. These press conferences are starting to drive me up, the, up a wall. Doug takes ownership. Everybody takes ownership. You know, Carson takes ownership, and supposedly this week he went in front of the team. And yeah. good for Carson if if that's whatever. But you still have to fix it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one thing to keep saying, "Hey, we're, I'm going to keep working hard." Fine, but you got to fix it at some point. So Doug basically takes ownership of the fact that, yeah, I could do a better job. You know, at some point. Then all he's talking about this week is the injuries. Um, you know, we have which had is not to, taking because ownership because we didn't have yeah. an off season. Our our rookie receiver. I get all the mitigating circumstances. I'm not undervaluing them. Other teams had mitigating circumstances also. Um, but now it's like, so now they're coming out with this big thing about, well, you know, I've, I've given some of that play calling stuff. And, and then they ask him, well, how about this? And then he, in the next sentence, he tells you how important play calling is to him. And I'm still the play caller. That's all bull crap, Kevin. This is all because people have been asking him questions about it. And they're going now. So now they're going to feed you the story. And I'm not saying that Press Taylor sometimes doesn't call plays or Here's a somebody question. else doesn't call plays. But in a real world, Doug should never be calling a play. No. Here, here's That's a, the problem. This is a question I legitimately have with them. Why are they afraid of Deuce Staley getting involved in this stuff? Because Doug won a Super Bowl. He wrote a book. He has an ego. He thinks. He is whatever he thinks he is. And I'm not saying he's the worst coach in the NFL or anything no, I, like that. I, I get that. He keeps, talk, he keeps talking about his NFL career like he was Donovan McNabb. I mean, and I'm not trying to minimize the fact that he's been around the game for a long time. But anybody that's watched this team the last few years or whatever can see that the offense and the quarterback stagnant. just don't work. Yeah, stagnant. And if, if you're going to say, if you're going to get up in a press conference and basically say, why well, diagram the plays great? They didn't execute. What is that? What is that? If you're a good enough coach, but, then your team should execute for you. But how do we leap? Okay? Up, how do I mean? 
when they were looking for an offense coordinator this year, they leaped over him to put Press Taylor in charge. They leaped over Staley to put Press Taylor kind of as the guy who's the offense coordinator. I don't have an answer, I, I mean, Kevin. Th- this not, is very know. weird. It, but, it, uh, you know, there, there's lots of coaches that get passed over for whatever reasons. And when African-American guys get passed over, then, you know, it, it's almost like it has a sinister quality to it or a why. I don't know what Deuce Staley's capable of. Or, or what he's not capable of. Um, but, you know, um, I don't know. I, I don't think Doug mm. wants to relinquish what he does because, no. as he's told you 10 times this week, he takes pride in it, mm-hmm. and that's who he is. And um, and I don't want to cut you short, but my grandson. I, uh, I figured me, so. that when, uh, when I saw the beep go off. So I will yeah. talk to you. I, if, we, if me and you can figure out the Eagles, pal, then we're smarter than 99% of the Mensa people. I, I hear you. All right, Mike. Have a good weekend. Have a good I will weekend. Talk to you on Tuesday. Yep, absolutely. Thank you, Michael, and uh, thank you again to John Gonzalez, uh, and thank you for uh, th- thank you for listening. Uh, we're back on Tuesday next week. Hope to have a guest and keep the ideas coming in for over the holidays. We appreciate you tuning in. This has been Working the Beat. Well, you went uptown riding in your limousine. Fine.